Hello, listeners, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of World Forge. World Forge is a podcast by creators and for creators, where we use random prompts to invent just about anything you can imagine. Together, we'll make heroes and villains, ancient monsters and magical cities. And our hope is that we inspire all the other creators and storytellers out there listening to do the same. So, without any further ado, I'm Sam. And I'm Piper. And welcome to World Forge. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to another episode of World Forge, the final episode of World Forge of 2019. Ah, gotcha. Actually. You thought it was the last one ever, but it's just for this year. Hooray! Yes, just for the year. Lucky you, we will continue this show on into 2020 Woo. Uh, with some really fun, exciting new projects. I know we've been teasing that for a long time, but we really do have some fun new stuff that we're really excited about. Uh, hopefully, we'll be able to actually talk about that in a you know, more uh, concrete, concrete capacity <laughs> yeah, very soon here. But uh, just trust us that we are working on something that I think is going to be really, really fun and uh, exploring some new kind of things for you. But uh, for now, this week, we have a really exciting topic for our kind of special New Year's episode, since this will be releasing right around uh, the, the new year here. Piper, what are we talking about? So this week, we are going to be coming up with um, creation stories. Yes. And this was actually a prompt that was suggested to us uh, from a listener. Yeah. Do you remember his? Yes, that, Robert name? McDaniel was the listener that recommended this to us. Robbie. We got an email here uh, shortly after our Christmas episode aired with some really, really sweet feedback from Robert just telling us that he really enjoyed the show and that he had a cool idea for a New Year's episode that, you know, it's the start of a new year and a new decade, so we should do something kind of big. And Creation Myth seems like an appropriately big thing and kind of a new start. So uh, yeah. we loved it. We were really excited about this topic and uh, we're more than happy to acquiesce to use that right away on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. <laughs> so thank you, Robert. And congratulations yes. on being the final uh, topic for 2019. Yeah. You win. <laughs> you do. It's Yeah, it's it's exciting for everyone, I'm sure. <laughs> but um, we had kind of uh, talked to uh, some of our listeners on uh, Twitter and we had asked, you know, uh, Robert, what his favorite creation story was. And we got some really cool examples of creation stories that uh, some of the players who listen to the show had used for their worlds in D&D and some examples of really cool stories in the real world that we really, really liked. Um, let me just go through and just bust out a couple of these yeah. <laughs> really, really quick. There was one especially that I really liked on Twitter that was from uh, a game that uh, one of our one of our listeners was playing. I'm just pulling up the thing here. Piper, you know, why don't you talk about your example while I pull this up? <laughs> <laughs> I thought I had um, it at the ready. Professional podcasting. I will start with um, a pretty short one that we both agreed was a good example that we thought was pretty fun. Um, for all of those Futurama fans out there, one of the best episodes <laughs> is the one in which Bender gets like he just kind of hurdles off into space because of one of their delivery mishaps and while he's floating out there um like a civilization starts growing on his body and yeah. there's two different uh warring cultures the one that's growing on his tummy and the one that's growing on his back <laughs> and it just kind of is an interesting episode that follows sort of the evolution of this tiny world and this little ecosystem yeah. and how quickly they evolve and the things that he says that influences them yeah and they, you know that they all basically worship him as a god and they you know 
they say, oh, you are the father of all of our civilization. And then I think it's the same episode where Bender actually meets God, right? Yes, uh, he does. And God is like, if you're doing your job well, no one knows you're doing it. Which, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I... I like that a lot. <laughs> I just remember specifically the part where they get advanced enough that they've developed like nuclear weapons and they're like sending yeah. like missiles to shoot from his back to his tummy to try to get rid yeah. of the others because I think the initial split between them was the understanding of or their understanding of why Bender, their god, like created them yes. or, you know, their interpretation like of Bender them. Bender really did nothing to create them. They exactly. Just happened to yeah. <laughs> so that one. <laughs> very good. Very philosophical for a Futurama episode. Yeah. And some of the questions that you would maybe be confronted with in, uh, you know, if you were playing a game that's set around the early creation of a civilization or a universe even, um, you know, your players may come to question, who created us? Why did they create us? Why do we worship them? Do we worship them? Etc. Well, exactly. Um, I think, so one of my favorite things about world building is the complete creative control that you have and almost the responsibility to ask ourselves like how how do things come to be what do these people think of the world they are in and what questions would they have and things like that and so i think this topic is really exciting because I mean, developing a culture for a place is exciting enough, but then giving it an origin story as well and yeah. saying, this is what these people believe is the foundation of life itself yeah. and how that forms and influences how they view the world they live in, I think is so exciting and cool. Absolutely. And, and I think this prompt kind of puts us on both sides of that as well, because not only do we look at the motivations behind creation, right? But we look at the interpretations of those who are created. You know, maybe they can't fully understand why a divine being would create them, uh, not even just in the way that they were created, but at all. Like, why create life in the first place, right? Well, exactly. Um, and these questions, I think, can, you know, ripple through really every aspect of that culture and the way that that culture would ask these questions, what questions specifically they would ask. Those are all really fun things to sort of explore. Absolutely. Things, I think yeah. it'll be very important when we are creating our origin stories to uh, include the dichotomy of what the creator had in mind versus what the people interpret. Yeah, what the people think the creator had in mind. Exactly. Because right? those right. are going to be most likely two very different things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I found the example <laughs> that we really love this. We had a couple of really awesome uh, uh, little inputs from some of our followers, but this one really stood out to me. Uh, this was from My Little Geekery. That's at My Little Geekery uh, on Twitter. And they said, once upon a time, there was a great dragon who sailed through the sea of stars. For ages, he flew before becoming weary of his travels. He decided to rest, taking stardust and rock and melting it with his great fire. With it, he made a world of rock and dirt taking a rest oh but then the great dragon was lonely so he took that which he created and formed it into a shape like his own and to it and into it he breathed life so was born terra the world and the pair were happy but still the only two in the ocean of twinkling stars children soon came of the pair a child of water and one of air one of forest and one of sand one of rivers and another of grasslands some took the appearance of their parents others more suited to the world in which they dwelled and from them came more creatures 
Plants, animals, monsters, and people, all seated on one giant ball. But with no sun, life began to wither. A child of fire offered her light, rising up as a giant phoenix, burning brightly in the sky. Her brother, of starlight and dew, could not let his sister be alone, so he leapt up into the sky as a great silvery wolf. He became the moon to light the night. And thus the world of Altera was born, the campaign setting called Novalis, uh, which is a setting that is in development by My Little Geekery. And I think that's a really, really cool starting point. I like the idea of this pantheon of gods as children of this, you know, great celestial dragon basically flying through the sky that makes life out of stardust. I think that's so cool. Um, it, it makes me think of that Carl Sagan quote where he says, we are all star stuff and the cosmos is within us or, or you know, it's something like that. Yeah. Um, I think that's really, really neat. Um, and I also like the sort of familial aspect of it. And I think we see that in a lot of different mythologies. Um, you know, Absolutely. there's, there's always one supreme God that gives birth to, a, you know, a bunch of children and then they fight with each other and establish hierarchies and, and all of these things. Well, it makes me think of sort of like the, the Greek mythologies of Zeus, who often, if he did, if he wasn't turning into an animal to bang a lady, he was <laughs> pulling someone out of his forehead yeah. or molding some clay that then became somebody else of great power yeah. and things like that. Totally. Yeah. I, I love it. And I also like the idea that a lot of these stories, again, to your sort of point, that it's about the interpretations of the people. Um, if you look at this from kind of a meta perspective, these stories about the gods were basically written by people to explain things they didn't understand in the real world. Exactly. Right. So, um, you know, lightning, we don't know what that is. So the gods decided that, well, the king of the gods, Zeus, he throws lightning bolts down at the earth and that's where that comes from. And <laughs> all of these aspects of creation are kind of similarly suited to explain something in the world that we don't understand. Why is there a moon? Well, it was a great wolf that leapt up into the sky. Why yeah. is there a sun? It was a great fiery phoenix that wanted to, you know, give us its light so that we wouldn't all die in the dark of of night. So one concept of creation and the gods who are part of this that really intrigues me uh, is this idea, and I, I've seen it both in originally the movie uh, Clash of the Titans, but then <laughs> it was really well visited in the, the book series American Gods, which is this idea that these gods are these all-powerful creators who give life to everything, but then once they make mankind the power kind of lands in the hands of men to believe in them because once yeah. people stop believing in them they lose their power or they cease to exist or in the case of American gods they become essentially mortal themselves if not enough people believe in them anymore they don't have this power that they can wield they just become everyday people who could then die themselves and fade away Absolutely, which I think is very interesting and that's kind of part of in um Clash of the Titans, what was kind of the conflict there is that so many people were turning against uh, the gods themselves is that Zeus therein thought he could, if he could inspire fear in them, they would pray to him once more and get power. Yeah. But instead they revolted against him and they swore they wouldn't pray to him like any longer. Yeah. And it kind of backfired it. And it was just like this kind of, I don't know, I just like that, that tug of war of who has the actual power here. And I like that too because I think that hubris is often a really important part of these stories right that 
um, you know, especially you'll see this a lot in Greek mythology that Zeus is so incredibly proud and like, you know, Zeus is responsible for, you know, freeing all the other gods from, from the dominion of like Kronos and Gaia, I think, or something like that. It's been a while since I studied. From the my, Titans. Yeah, from, from the Titans and all them. Um, and so Zeus basically says, well, I'm a god. I can do whatever I want, but that's often sort of his downfall. Like that's a part of his creation is that he, he thinks I can just go and make all these things and they'll all follow me. And that's just how it's going to go. But sometimes that's really not the case. Sometimes heroes rise up and fight against the gods. And those are also important aspects of, you know, the creation of civilizations and cultures and things like that. And I do think that's something that is really important for us to touch on, that not all creation stories have to necessarily be about the creation of the universe. They can be about the creation of a specific civilization, or they can be about the first hero of a, you know, a group of people or something like that. Absolutely. Um, and they can sort of be stories that inform the actions of a, you know, a civilization or a, you know, a demographic of people. And I think that's just as important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, That kind of makes me think of one of the the last minute examples that I thought of was actually um, a movie that you still need to see, which I think you're hesitant towards, but I do think you'll (laughs) like it. It's called The Invention of Lying. Um, And I think that has an element of creation to it that is really fascinating for this kind of drama comedy. That's um, the Ricky Gervais one, right? Where he realizes that he can... No well, one else knows how to lie. Right? He's the first man in this universe to ever tell a lie or to say something that isn't true. And yeah. he does it because his mother is on her deathbed and she's scared to go into this n- eternal nothingness. Mm-hmm. And he's so sad to see her like with this fear that he tells her, no, there's something after death. Like there's this beautiful place where you're surrounded by your loved ones and he just makes this thing up so that she's happy when she dies. And then once he's done saying that and she passes away, all the doctors and nurses are like, tell us more about this place. How do you know these things? And he becomes this, in their eyes, all-knowing prophet, essentially. But he's somebody who just made things up. And he yeah. continues to do so. And the movie itself, it the things that he makes up, it mimics Christianity and the lores therein. Um, but it's really interesting, kind of, this concept that um, throughout his journey, uh, people keep coming to him. Like, the few people he lets in to, to say none of this is true. I said something that wasn't. They can't quite quite grasp that, but they're trying to understand how it's possible and how he did it. And it's really interesting. So this is more of he creates a creation myth of the afterlife more than a creation myth of anything that anyone in the story actually experiences. It's just him telling a story that people buy into, which I suppose, yeah, to... uh, uh, somewhat of an extent like oh that's how all creation myths kind of work like someone comes up with an explanation and enough people start to follow it and that just becomes the status quo and people people believe that which i think because none of us were really there for it right exactly um, yeah that's really interesting no i think that movie's really fun and i like its approach to that yeah um yeah, I have a few more examples uh, to talk about before we create our own. But of course, before we do that, I have to take the uh, opportunity here to talk about that favorite topic of mine, Tolkien. It wouldn't be a World Forge episode without me <laughs> taking a moment to talk about George R. R. Tolkien, right? I'm going to go to sleep now. <laughs> Wake me up when you're done. <laughs> well, no, I, I, I will be brief about this okay. one because I've spent enough time on the show talking about my love of Tolkien's work already. Uh, but I do really love the way that Tolkien goes about explaining the creation of, of um, Arda and that it's basically Arda Arda is the world that Middle Earth takes place in. So Middle Earth is just one continent on Arda and there's uh, it's more complicated than that. But again, I won't go into it. I'll be brief. Yeah, (laughs) that's enough. Um, So basically the way that Arda was created was that all of the gods that the supreme god Eru 
sort of dreamt up, he he set them all to sing this song together that would create the earth. And he gave them all dominion over different types of things. He gave uh, Ulmo dominion over water and he gave uh, Manwe like dominion over the skies. And there's all these different gods that do different things. And he says, you will all sing this song and through this song, the earth will be formed. And everything's going really, really great. And, uh, you know, oceans are forming and mountains are rising and all this stuff is happening. And this god, uh, Melkor, he comes and he says, I'm the most powerful of all of these gods. I don't want to sing your song. I want to sing my own song. Why can't I create freely as you do? Uh, I'm, I'm going to, basically you know start my own treehouse with hookers and blow and you know it's like he's he goes off and he's like i don't want to be a part of this like story of yours uh and he says if you force me to do so i will just like sing a nasty song that wrecks everything and this line that eru has to him is like some of the like coldest it's just really really cool like it's a really badass response to this and he basically says and thou melkor shalt see that no theme may be played that hath not its uttermost source in me nor can any alter the music in my despite for he that attempteth this shall prove but mine instrument in the devising of things more wonderful which he himself have not imagined which i think is so cool because basically what he's saying in this line is i want there to be discord in this world the the evil that you try and create through your rebelling against me will just make all the things that everyone else creates more beautiful. And in fact, I accounted for that and wanted that. And I planned for you to do this. Um, well, that's very in line with yeah. the idea that Satan is just an agent of God yeah. in the Christianity belief is that it's not that he was somebody who intentionally rebelled against God himself. God was like, I need someone to test humanity. So you're my my guide to do that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it basically allows us to appreciate the, the good things more than the evil things. And it brings things into the world that are... You know, that are dark and scary and bad, that are kind of outside of the dominion of, of the good gods. And it gives humanity something to sort of strive against and, and work towards overcoming, uh, which is an important part of the world. Like that's, yeah, definitely. you know, we all face obstacles and conflicts and they have to come from somewhere. And so why not from someone whose every fiber of their being is bent towards, you know, creating just this evil like spiteful nasty stuff because he hates that he can't have control over everything himself i, yeah. I think that's really really interesting and the flip of that um another one of my examples that i have for a creation story mm -hmm. which i think is so the wording of it is so simple but there's so much you could read into it um but it's from peter pan so yeah. we're exchanging our our favorite fandoms <laughs> of once again and it's the line in which peter is talking to wendy about the creation of fairies and it's so simple he just says when the first baby laughed for the first time the laughed broke into a thousand pieces and they all went skipping about and that was the creation of fairies yeah. and now every time a baby laughs its first laugh a new fairy is born yeah. so there should be a fairy for every boy and girl but it's just like it's so like that is like joy incarnate yeah, it's is so the laugh of a baby exactly yeah. which it makes total sense that something so pure and wonderful would have enough energy to like yeah. send creation out and i love that idea absolutely and i also think that kind of speaks to the idea that creation myths can be about a specific you know a, a, a specific magical entity in the world or about a a phenomena in the world or something like that i think that's also definitely within the scope of what we kind of want to talk about with these creation myths absolutely um, you know we we can have our 
material plane, but we also have to know how like the Fey realm was created or, you know, the plane of fire, or, you know, all of these other sort of adjacent spheres uh, that exist in our cosmos. Definitely. In, in a D&D setting or something like that. I think all have their own unique creation myths that are outside that, that are separate than just the grand sort of creation of the, the universe i agree it's really important i have one more example do you yeah. have any more uh i do have a few more but go ahead with your next one okay cool so the last one that i want to give um is actually inspired by one of my favorite i would call it a philosophical movie uh is the life of pi which yeah if you're somebody who is who wants to watch a movie and then have a two-hour discussion <laughs> with the people in the room with you who have watched this afterwards, definitely check out The Life yeah, of Pi. There's a lot of ways you can interpret that movie. I, I mean, it's, I think there's one way that it's intended to be interpreted, definitely, but mm -hmm. like the beauty of it is that you can sort of look at it from different perspectives. That's sort of what it's about. And that's exactly yeah. the theme. Um, the main character, Pi, is a young boy who, as he's growing up, he decides to embrace all religions. Um, and so, though he is raised Hindu, he early on embraces um, it's Christian, but I think specifically Catholicism. He uh, also uh, becomes Muslim as well, and he just has all of these things mm -hmm. in balance with what with with each other. Um, but there is a part where he talks about Brahma and Vishnu, which really stood out to me in, in watching of this movie. And I kind of, I wanted to look up the, the definition. So this is just what Google tells me right away so I can get yeah. it right. Yeah. Know that um, anything we talk about, about, you know, like really specific, like religious, historical, like mythological thing. We, this we're is not based experts. On, yeah, we're not experts. <laughs> Disclaimer up front. This is based on very little research, the minimum amount of research that we could do to be able to talk about this for five minutes before we create. Exactly. Uh, but what, what Google tells us is that after the universes are generated by Mahavishnu, Vishnu enters into each universe and creates Brahma, the god of creation, who then creates everything else in the universe. He is the Vishnu depicted as lying down. He lies sleeping in the casual ocean and generates with his breathing all the universes. And in the movie Life of Pi, the way Pi refers to it is that we are the dreams of this sleeping god. Mm -hmm. And our lives and our existence is simply just the passing thought of this great being that lies on an eternal sea. And at one point, like the the climax of his journey while he's lost at sea in this rowboat uh he comes to this island and at one point there the camera zooms out on the island and it mimics the form of brahma and vishnu and it's mm -hmm. very interesting and every time i see that i'm like i want to write an essay about this like it's so good <laughs> so i definitely recommend that i think even and and even just outside of the stories that are talked about in this movie it's just a visual masterpiece i mean it's so beautiful in so many ways um i think there are so many really cool locations you know when i first i had not read the books going into it and i saw the movie and was just like ah, maybe this will be okay how exciting could it be a guy who's just spends the entire movie on a boat but didn't i show you, you this movie yes you did yeah but he goes to so many other you know, he goes to other islands and other places and you see these like interesting locations and they make all these places look visually interesting. I could definitely see a lot of the visual representations of some of the kind of thoughts that are going through Pi's head as really interesting locations in a D&D &D game. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a really cool part where he's basically on this like still sea and the boat isn't moving at all. And you look out and it's like a, 
a perfect glass-like reflection on the water. And, mm-hmm. you know, just imagine that as like, you know, the, the plane of water or something is the, the sea and the sky are equals in this place and yeah. that they mirror each other in, in, in an interesting way. Like, I think there's a lot of really cool visual rep- representations uh, that you could apply to your creations that you could pull from this movie. I definitely agree yeah. with that. One of the most kind of spooky images in the movie to me, and I don't think this is meant to be as spooky as I interpret it, but when he pie gets to the <laughs> island, which is covered, it's just sort of like a floating mass of trees yeah, in the their roots. Mangrove island, yeah. Exactly. And it's covered in meerkats. And as he goes inward to the island, he finds these pools that just go down seemingly forever. Mm-hmm. And that like depth terrifies me yeah oh yeah and, yeah so it's like just they the movie just shows us that and they don't really talk about it but it's like my own interpretation i'm like that's horrifying and i love it like there's just so much that's mysterious and can be explored yeah in the visuals so definitely yeah definitely, early rec room life of pie yes <laughs> go watch that movie um <laughs> my other ones that i wanted to talk about here so i actually i did want to talk about uh robert mcdaniel who recommended this topic i we asked him what his favorite creation myth was and he said it was the uh uh, Enuma Elish, which is the, um, what he said it was the Babylonian creation myth, I think. And I was not familiar with the story. I went and did a little bit of research and it's, it seems pretty complicated. Uh, so this is again, kind of like a very superficial, like bare bones, um, <laughs> no kind judgments. of explanation of it. But basically I wanted to sort of touch on some things about it that seemed really interesting to me because it, essentially it talks about, you know, the creation of these gods and how it started as, I think, Tiamat and Anu and how one of them was a god of the salt water and one of them was god of fresh water. And as they came together and mixed and swirled out of that came life. And I really, really liked the sort of elemental kind of primal nature of that, that these two just natural forces that that just have always existed, at least to my interpretation of the Wikipedia page that I read about this, um, <laughs> essentially just, you know, life sprang from that, which I think is interesting because that sort of mirrors what our expectations are of, you know, sort of how life naturally existed, just stuff was swirling around and, you know, (laughs) semi-spontaneously, like life kind of sprang from that. I think that's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, you know, as a result of all these creations, there, you know, new gods kind of kept rising up and there ended up being this sort of war between the gods and there were trials. There There was one god that said, I can destroy Tiamat if you let me, but the other god said, we won't follow you unless you can pass this test. They said, you have to destroy a constellation in the sky and rebuild it as it was. And so he does this and then they say, fine, we'll arm you with a a mace, a bow and arrows. And with that, you have to go and slay Tiamat. And he did that. And then he ended up becoming basically the supreme god of, of, you know, what became the future pantheon and all the people who sort of followed them. And at least that was my understanding of it. And those are sort of the things that really stood out to me about this is really cool is that like, I really love the idea of, of the trial of Mm -hmm. this God. And I love this sort of elemental nature of all of these things. And yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Um, I think it, it made me think a lot of sort of like the Greek heroes. Like it, it, as I was reading this, it didn't really feel like I was reading about gods. It felt like I was reading about people who were sort of doing these things that they were sort of posed in a similar way, which was interesting to me. Um, you know, like we kind of said, the gods are sort of like allegories for the troubles that humanity faces. And I think it sort of makes sense that they would be posed in that way. Um, but I thought that was interesting. And it reminded me as I was reading this of um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, which uh, is another like Sumerian Babylonian text. I think it's actually like the oldest 
surviving work of literature or something like that that we've ever found, which is basically the story of this man who's sort of this evil, like corrupt king of a city called Uruk. And he just sort of does whatever he wants. He doesn't really super care about his people. And the gods say, we need to send someone to him to teach him humility. And so they create this beast man that goes and roams the wilderness and ends up running into um, Gilgamesh and they become friends and they go on all these crazy adventures together. And when Gilgamesh dies, he understands that, you know, the, or when, when, en- when Enkidu, uh, the, the beast man dies, Gilgamesh finally understands it's the relationships and the people in your life that really matter. And it's not, you know, wealth and, and power and all of these things. And then he goes on to become a great king. And, I like that. you know, that's the beginning of sort of, the, uh, he's supposed to be sort of like the first hero, like the first great man, and that mm. leads on to create, you know, the golden age of humanity or something like that. I don't really know what the, the implications of that necessarily <laughs> are. I just think it's a cool story. Uh, and I think that, again, kind of falls into the realm of creation myths. The last one that I thought of here that I really like, this is just a short one. Um, I remember reading in um, the Iliad, I think. That's the book about the Trojan War, right? Yep. Um, I, I believe... There's a part where they talk about Apollo somehow gets involved in this. And Apollo, the god of uh, the sun god in Greek mythology, at one point he flies his chariot down to, I think, like just see what's going on with the battle. And he flies too close to the earth and his like sun-like power scorches the land. And that's what creates the Sahara Desert. Interesting. Um, I thought I, I may be totally wrong on that, misremembering <laughs> that, but I, I have a very strong memory of reading that and thinking it was really, really cool. Very so I, I think, again, that fits into the realm of like, you know, a creation myth can just be about a location or something well, like that. Well, I think then we have to just quick mention our local <laughs> uh, icon and hero, um, Paul Bunyan. Of course, Which yes. is supposed to be like a hundred foot tall man, uh, a lumberjack, and... He's a hundred and fifty foot tall if he's an inch, I tell ya. Well, exactly. No, <laughs> everything about Paul Bunyan is that, oh, one day he was tired and he took a nap, and when he fell down and then got up, like the imprint he left was the Grand Canyon. Yeah, and things yeah. Things like that. Or the, he like, exactly, he like dragged that. his axe behind him while he was walking, and that's what carved the like Mississippi River. Yeah, and it's something, it's something yeah. like that. It's so cool. Yeah, that it would have to be. I, I like that that's specifically attributing these creations to a quote unquote person, right? right. Um, yes, because it's sort of talking about here is like the greatness of humanity. Here's what we can strive to, and at the same time, it's you know, giving a story to all of these things that, you know, we we see the Mississippi River every day, but like, where did it come from? Who could possibly know where this came from? Exactly. Make up a cool story about a giant man with a pet blue ox that, you know, goes and does these cool things. I love that. (laughs) Good thinking on bringing that one up. Minnesota Minnesota proud. Minnesota proud. (laughs) Paul Bunyan is Minnesotan. No one can disagree on this. No one else can take him. Maine, you can shut up. All the other states. Get out of here. Get out of here. He's from Minnesota. (laughs) But I, okay, so I I think uh, that brings us to (laughs) the time of the show where now we will ply our skills towards creating our own myths, which will hopefully live up to these really cool examples that we've just discussed here. And Piper is pulling up some prompts for us. Uh, Yes, I am. Do you have a prompt ready for me, Piper? I'm going to go ahead and just preemptively claim this first prompt. Yes. Um, Okay. Sam, your word is craven. Craven. Ooh, okay. Like a craven madman. Mm -hmm. I like that. Uh, It makes me think of another line from uh, The Silmarillion, which I've already read on this podcast, so I will not repeat it again, but it's uh, between (laughs) Fingolfin and Melkor, and it's really cool. So um, (laughs) according to this quick... uh, Definition search that I just did. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Craven is an adjective, which here means 
a contemptibly lacking in courage, cowardly, or a cowardly person is someone who is craven. Great. Uh, a craven abdiction of his moral duty is the example. I mean, great. Thanks, Google. Okay. But, yeah. So I immediately have a really cool idea already. What is um, it? Tell me what you got. I like the idea of... So imagine, imagine a powerful warlock or wizard or necromancer or something like that that basically everything that they everything that they do is to like run away from death they're they're terrified of the idea of death and they can't give themselves immortality because it's just either outside of their skills or maybe it's a power that doesn't actually exist or you know who, who knows why they can't achieve it but in their search for immortality they they find basically other forms of immortality um instead of them physically living forever maybe they can create something that lives forever and they bend all of their power towards creating their own new realm a new a new universe a new dimension a new something and from their thoughts and from their magic springs this new world that exists you know just as a product of their their magical will hmm um, I think that would be really neat it, yeah. that it would sort of come out of their their craven fear of death. Um, that they want to make companions for themselves. Yeah, exactly. Maybe they're the only thing in this emptiness and that terrifies them. So they try to use their abilities to make something yeah. so they won't be so alone. Well, and maybe they don't even live in this space. Maybe maybe this space was just like one option that they explored and it wasn't a way for them to actually... They couldn't live forever even in this space, right? Like, no matter what happened, their body would eventually physically die, and their mind would disappear into the heavens or into hell or into the ether or whatever. But this thing that they created, this new world, could live on forever, and those creations could continue to live on, knowing that their god was this, you know, power, their their progenitor was this powerful creator. Well, interesting, because that makes me think of what we talked about at the beginning about the God's intention versus the people's interpretation. Because I would think that most people, if they create a God in their mind or they, they interpret a God, they would think, oh, you made us so you are all powerful. Therefore, you must be brave and courageous and all of these things. Yeah. But the God, if anyone were to ever speak to said God, they would find out Oh, you're afraid of everything. You're actually not what we yeah. thought you were. You have all this power, but you are you're terrified of it. Of course. And and what I think is really interesting about this is there would only even be there would be a finite amount of time where worshipers in this realm that he created would actually be able to commune with this god. Uh eventually they would die and his followers, his or her followers would try to speak to them and they would hear nothing in return. Interesting. So they would basically be abandoned by the god that created them. And I think that could spin off into a whole other interesting mythology. You know, the... the the. It's curious to me that you've chosen to make your god immortal or mortal. Mortal. Yeah. I, I mean, that's what I think is most interesting about it, right? Mm -hmm. Is that they really aren't a god. They're just a regular person who who happened to create something that will continue to live on forever. They were just a very, well, regular person. They were a supremely powerful, magical person, but not someone power enough, powerful enough to actually ascend to immortality. Um, and they would, you know, maybe they would be called like the absent God or something like that. They would have all these cool stories as to why this God isn't there. So would this be someone who maybe, because it, it sounds as if you're saying if they're not a supreme being but they are someone with great power yes does that mean that what they might have done to create the world that they did in their mind would be considered like sort of like a science or something that they were experimenting with things yeah and it's, they made it's something? a science or it's magic or it was a you know whatever medium they use to do this 
So they like created life without being prepared for the the consequences and the responsibilities that would come with it? Yeah, well, I think maybe their original intention was that this would be a world that they could live forever inside of. And after they created it, they realized this wasn't a path to immortality. Even within this world, they would still die. Interesting. Just the idea of them could live on through this world. And they said, maybe that's enough. That's the only thing I can do is the idea of me will live on forever, even if I do not physically live on. Gotcha. Yeah. I think we shouldn't... I mean, we can say that your god is going to die eventually, but I don't think we should kill them off right away. No, no, I, I agree. I, I don't think... I, I think they would still have like a... A supernaturally long life, right? I mean, they are powerful enough that they would go on. But like I said, like there would be a finite amount of time wherein the followers of this god in this world could commune with them. Um, and I don't necessarily think you're right that this story should start with them already being dead. Mm -hmm. Maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but that will happen eventually is something we should acknowledge. And the followers of this god wouldn't understand that. That's why I'm saying they would, you know, come to view him as a god that maybe forsook them and abandoned them. So... Tell me how you imagine your people being able to commune with this deity. Well, I think in the same way that any, you know, a cleric or a paladin or something commune with their deity, they have the ability to, you know, to pray to them and speak with them and ask them questions through, you know, magical spells or through abilities that are granted to them by their god. And so I think that would, you know, in D&D, &D, that's a really kind of pedestrian thing to be able to do. A lot of characters can do this, right? So your god is a god that's open for business and is regularly yeah. checking his his <laughs> Gmail, his god mail, Maybe. to see what people are saying. I, I You know, I'm kind of torn on that because, again, I don't think that he created this world because he wanted to be someone who had to do all the work of taking care of, uh, you know, billions of followers in a civilization. They, they created this world because they wanted it to be a place... They could live selfishly forever. that they could go to and live forever in. And, and then, then this became basically like a chore for them that they just, they kept hearing all these people trying to talk to them and they were like, oh shoot, I have to, it's kind of like, to check my voicemail all the time now. It's like in Bruce Almighty when he <laughs> yeah. like gets overwhelmed by the prayers that are coming into his head. Absolutely. Interesting. Absolutely. Okay. So your God created a place where it thought it could live forever and then unintentionally all these people and cre and animals and plants yeah. and things sprung up there and they kept bothering that person that god to be like you created us and they were like leave Help me us. alone it's like uh, no no i yeah. just want to be here like i didn't mean for you guys to be here totally because they created this this realm in imitation of the reality that they lived in they wanted it to be as close as possible to the reality they lived in because they wanted to live forever here interesting but they knew they couldn't so very interesting yeah. so it's sort of a little like pocket dimension it's you know it's like uh it's in D D. There's like demi realms, right? Where like if you're a supremely powerful being, like if you're like Strahd or something, you have your realm uh, in Barovia where you kind of control everything and you are like powerful if you stay in there, right? But um, it, it's going to be sort of like that. It's just a magical pocket dimension essentially that they created. But this one, I think, really should be almost like a full replication of the universe that it's nested in. Cool. Yeah. So the word that I got was leading me while I was thinking about it while mm -hmm. you were talking. Yeah. was leading me down somewhat similar themes okay. that you were naturally well, coming I across. Stole it, so you can't have it now. <laughs> I'm gonna keep going with this though because I really like the idea that I got. Um, so the first word that I got was forgetful. Ooh, okay. And I love the idea of a a god who is forgetful and will make a universe and then forget that they've done so and then move on and make another one. Oh, and that's so, really cool. Yeah. And so because that to me brings up so many interesting like 
concepts and conflicts that would arise. And I like the idea even that these universes that the god will spend eons building and working on, and then after a millennium of like building these things like and putting all of its effort and like sweat and and tears into will then be like similar to in the the christian mythology it'll be like i'm exhausted yeah. i need to rest yes. and it will it'll take a rest and when it wakes up it'll completely forgotten everything that it's just done and it says I need. I haven't even started yet. I have to build something, and it will start building. <laughs> and they start a new thing, and it just leaves these worlds oh, in its I wake. Like that. And so, what I really like about this idea is that the people who are created in these planes that this god creates, yeah, they like most would you know they would they would pray to their creator and they would await signs and communication and like a day of a second coming. They would make all of yeah. their lores that like suit them, uh, but someday there needs to be at least like one individual who somehow manages to ascend to the same plane as said forgetful god sees all of these other planes and he meets the god and finds out you don't care about us like we're not even a thought in your mind you've forgotten all about us like don't you know who we are we're the we're the people and the children and the plants and the animals you created and that god will say i don't know you uh, maybe I did that. I, like that. I don't know. Sorry. I, I really so I like the idea of a god that every time they go to sleep, it's like they're re, they get like a reboot basically. Yeah. They become like a new person every time. That's a really interesting concept to me. And so every day that they every time they build something, they have to rest because it takes all of their energy. And when they do, it's like they are reborn. Yeah. Essentially. Well, I that's also a, that's a really good idea. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead and see your thing. I'm, well, no, I, something else. I'm glad you like that idea. Here's another one for you. <laughs> I I kind of like the idea of. So all of these realms are created by one god. So they're sort of intrinsically linked, right? By right. some sort of metaphysical, uh, multidimensional bond, essentially, that kind of brings them together. And maybe that bond is sort of like gravity that over time, these dimensions are all slowly, you know, being pulled together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and no, eventually definitely. there will be like a convergence, right? And so in each, in each realm, the inhabitants of that realm have different ideas about the god that created them. And maybe in every realm, it's completely different because every realm is different, right? Well, I agree. So they, they would say, our god created us this way because this. And in the mm-hmm. next realm, they'd say, well, it's this way because this. And eventually when they converge, all of these people would basically, you know, be passing through like this, you know, this Venn diagram of realms and saying, mm-hmm. well, this is what god is. And they'd say, no, this is what god is. Well, and exactly. This is what god is. That's what like I a, wanted. Is yeah. that, yeah, it would be sort of similar to how we on earth have everyone's different deities they pray to and believe yeah. in but it's all the same god that's what i'm saying exactly. baby. i mean and come we, up so we, what we have on our hands here right is it's like an interdimensional holy war essentially i that really like that this. Yeah. so this is very interesting because the concept that you touched on before you said this last part um it changed kind of the image that i had in my mind where originally i just pictured this like ancient old looking person yeah. who is just is kind of wading through the cosmos and taking whatever like components is around them at the time and forging it into these different universes yes and then they like fall asleep wake up and they keep going what you said the idea that they when they sleep they are reborn that brings to mind sort of something that I've seen explored in the anime, um, The Ancient Mage's Bride, mm-hmm. which kind of, uh, there's a scene during around the holidays where they tap into these kind of practices or celebrations around Yule and the different seasons and things like that. And it's the idea that, um, 
like at first like summer is when like this this deity or this god is young and spring is when they're the youngest obviously but then winter is when they're old and they're going to like die but then re- be, be reborn again essentially so that's kind of an interesting mm-hmm. idea is that they every time they are reborn they forget the the things of their past existence and so someone might find they would find one of two things i think when someone ascends to like confront this god they would either find a child who is so like absent-minded and in the moment they'd be like i don't know what you're talking about i'm just like making stars <laughs> right now and building planets because yeah. it's fun or they would find a very old individual who would be like i can't remember anything i've done before i'm just moving forward because that's all i can do I like it's sort of like the 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 ghost of uh christmas uh present, present where age is really fast exact, yeah exactly the age over the course of the evening from like you know young and sprightly to a haggard gray-haired old man in the span of 24 hours or whatever nice i like yeah. it i'm sticking with my forgetful guy i think that's really really cool i i do like that we are on sort of similar tracks here but there are definitely different motivations behind it i yes. i like the sort of selfish fearful motivation of my god mm-hmm. and i feel your god is much more industrious and probably would be like kind of a lawful good god or maybe like a, a lawful neutral god or something that they're doing something that they think it's you know it's morally right to always be working and creating and doing something and that's what drives them that you have to always if you have the power to act you have to act and you mm-hmm. have to build and make things and out of that becomes this sort of th- this tragic story kind of arises where it's all of these all of these spheres that have no god that actually pays attention to them or favors them so in those worlds maybe there wouldn't be divine magic maybe there wouldn't be clerics that could easily easily tap into the power they'd be much less um much less common because that power is like separated from them because the god isn't actively giving it out i'm definitely picturing in my my worlds that this god is creating uh i don't see them as being kind of magical fantasy places i'm seeing them more as different planes of reality similar to what we know ourselves and you Um, know i i suppose then that that makes sense because maybe as a result of this god not taking a direct magical interest and influence in the events of this world rather than magic rising up as the supreme power in these worlds it would be science and technology yeah Yeah, it would be the you know the magic of humanity basically actually taps into a concept that we kind of talked about when we were doing our angels and demons episode which is something that i love so much is the idea that science would evolve to a point where uh, these astronauts would say that we have to like take a ship to ascend to this other plane yeah, just beyond outer yeah. space itself and there would be similarly that's how an individual would come to confront this god is it would, it would be an astronaut yeah someone who passes maybe through a black hole like that's maybe of like course. the one like kind of like link into this other place yeah. where they can see the creator I yeah. love that because that explains a phenomenon you know there's a phenomenon that we all are aware of like a black hole but we don't really know like what's inside or on the other side like is there something that you can fly through a black hole i mean we know that's you don't fly into a black hole and come out somewhere else right yeah but but the idea that that would sort of be a portal into this like space between realms maybe Mm -hmm. and through that you know the only thing that can come out of a black hole is you know the mutterings of this god as he toils away on a new dimension somewhere right and so maybe humanity or whatever civilization that's you know in power in any given in any given dimension 
receive some message from the inside of a black hole and they say, well, where did this come from? And it, it sounds something, like yeah, someone working away through. at a forge or yes. something like that. Yeah. I was actually just going to say, because previously kind of what I was picturing is just sort of like this huge celestial body moving through the cosmos and like swirling up a bunch of stuff to make things happen. Yeah. But I like the idea similar. We've talked about this before, how in the movie Contact, uh, when our girl goes through this this portal essentially mm -hmm. to like meet these intelligent aliens who have been reaching out to them what she sees is not how they actually are it's her yeah. human interpretation i like the idea that if this astronaut came through this black hole they wouldn't be able to comprehend what they were seeing of so course. what they would see would be either an old man like working at like a tool bench yeah. or like a young child the, yeah, playing with toys child. like it depends so on, cool. on what time they they come to see the god so, it's so cool. yeah it's either an old man like like whittling away at like some wood or like you know screwing things or like working with like tools in his hands yeah um or yeah it's a kid who's like who's building a castle or like constructing things out of clay i like the idea of it being like the the cosmic blacksmith or something or and and like every every universe is like a single chain and like a giant chain mail vest or something you know that they they link all these things together or the or uh uh, black hole smith or something like that yeah. <laughs> like, there's something like that but there's a there's definitely a cool parallel that can be drawn here i think yeah um, i, I like think one of the conflicts that i would love to explore with my plot line is that when the astronaut returns they are then faced with a great quandary which is how do I tell everybody what I yeah. saw? Because this will... Should I tell everyone what I saw? Well, exactly. It'll yeah. become the invention of lying because if they tell them this God doesn't remember any of us and it doesn't care and it's going to yeah. just keep creating without any care for what it does, like people would revolt and civilization would crumble and everything would be ruined. Totally. So it would fall on the shoulders of this one person who returns after seeing the impossible to say... They love us and they think yeah. we're doing great. What, what <laughs> like, would ha exactly like what <laughs> what would happen to a civilization that knows that God abandoned them? And further, what happens to this astronaut when they you know when they pass through into this other realm? Is something bestowed upon them? I mean, do they do they gain some semblance of the powers of this God? Like, is you know, is this God's power? Does it come from this sort of realm of? untethered creation that that they reside in so when this astronaut comes back maybe they have a supernaturally long life and he tragically has to live for millennia with this secret that he can't tell anyone i think the astronaut when it return when they return they have the ability i think when they sleep they can view the other dimensions and worlds oh, that the cool. god has created so when that person dreams they get they're like visiting glimpses the new exactly into the other places and they can see how those people are interpreting their creation and so maybe when th this person becomes like incredibly wise from all of yeah. these different like experiences that it's that they've witnessed yeah i think Ooh. an interesting side effect of this is that in their dreams they would see all of the ways that that other civilizations have succeeded or failed right so they would see they can learn the, from those things exactly they would see the civilizations that overcame this uh knowledge that they were abandoned by god 
that, you know, and, and ascended to a higher thing. They said, we don't need this. We can be self-sufficient. And they would see civilizations that learned this information and destroyed themselves because of it. Yeah. Uh, I think there would also be so cool. plenty of civilizations who never obviously ascended yeah, to find God and they're still just wondering. It's sort of the, it, it kind of makes me think of the, in Infinity War, when Doctor Strange looks at like 14 million possible realities. And then when he says, well, there's only one where we win, that means there's 14 million uh, minus one realities where Thanos did win and those all still exist in yeah, the Marvel Universe. exactly, right? right? <laughs> because they had the only one where they stopped Thanos. Like, I think that's really, really interesting that you have to, no matter what happens in this universe, there's always another universe out there yeah. where something else is happening and you know that it's, you know, because of the actions of this one divine being. That's Ooh, really, really neat. I love it. Okay, let's go back to yours. Yeah, so here's an interesting thought that I had. I think it would be really interesting if the sort of demiplane that my wizard or warlock created was inside of one of the realities that your god created. Oh, interesting. So it, it's it's further nested. It's not even the it, it's the third level down basically. Okay. Um, and maybe even with it, you know, because it's a perfect copy of the reality of you know this this warlock's world. Maybe at some point another warlock would come along and have the same thought, and so they would continue creating new universes you know, out of a search for immortality that can really never be achieved. And eventually maybe, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 universes down the line, like at a, at a new generation of universe, someone would realize we're nested inside of a nested reality that's in another nested reality and they could kind of climb the ladder up to the original reality. Interesting. Yeah. This is like a, a Rick and Morty episode, actually. <laughs> it's <laughs> getting a one. <laughs> little bit wrapped around itself, is it? <laughs> no, well, there's, a, there's an episode in which um, I think... Uh, and forgive me, Rick and Morty fans, for not knowing the exact details of this, but Rick develops a machine to, like, essentially charge his cell phone, but he's, okay. like, created a mini-universe that nests inside this machine, and in that universe, he's convinced everyone there that he is a god, and if they want to pray to him, they have to, like, walk on these hamster wheels, <laughs> and that powers energy, which then, like, powers his cell phone. That's so funny. And okay. when he goes, when he takes Morty with him to visit this world, while they're there, they, like, introduce him to their top scientist, and that scientist shows them a tiny box that he's created with a tiny universe inside of it and it's just like this like forever little like de-escalation of course but yeah no I, so i i don't <laughs> think that i i mean i don't want to eat i don't want to eat rick and morty's lunch here uh my intention <laughs> it's still a good idea yeah my, my intention was not for this warlock to be uh, maliciously creating a universe to exploit outside of the fact that he wanted to create a place where he could live on forever, right? Right, because we've already established yeah. that he wasn't intending to make living things. He just wanted a place where he yeah, could be. He just copied the existing universe and then naturally life sprang. Like he doesn't have the ability to create life himself life directly. Finds a way. Finds a way. Exactly. <laughs> um, I I really like the idea of this sort of like repeating recursive universe that like it's almost like fated to always go on further and further and further. And the would the, your veto this instantly mm -hmm. if you want to would your warlock because now you've you've called them that yeah um would they attempt through to achieve this this immortality would they attempt to like tether themselves to these other like individuals that is going on through these countless universes because yeah. that in itself would be an immortality you know what maybe they could jump through those bodies maybe this is what they do yeah maybe every time they create a universe they create 
they, you know, out of the material of that universe, they take from the clay of this new, like, newborn universe and fashion themselves a new body. And then they go on and live until that body runs out. And then they create another new universe and pass into the new one because the, the, energy of the universe can only sustain them for so long or something like that. And so maybe all of the normal inhabitants of these universes, um, quote unquote normal, kind of they hear sort of rumblings and there's always like a mysterious, mysterious stories about this being that just passes through and, you know, they, they, they come in and then they leave and then we don't know where they go, but we know that they're somehow tied to the fabric of everything that we experience. Well, what I really like about that is the idea that the further he goes, the more like the wiser he becomes. Yeah. So if we meet him at the beginning of his journey, when he is this craven, cowardly individual, like 50 universes down the line, he has lived 50 lifetimes through 50 different yeah. creations yeah. and I think would become wiser and wiser until eventually I think he would have to reach a point where he has to be like, I know everything i know too totally. much and maybe he would even reach a point where he says there's no point in going on anymore he would give up because he, you know he said i've i finally see that there is no true immortality for for a being that was created mortal i i will reach the end of the line eventually my interest in this will wane or my magical powers will run out or something will happen that there just won't be any point in going on anymore. And maybe the, the last like bit of the, the ultimate control that I can have over this universe is to pass back into it, you know, and like give back my energy to it. And so that like final stop in the chain, maybe that's the, you know, that would be the universe where our party would, you know, uh, be adventuring if this were a D&D game. They would be in the place where this God who lived a million lives in a million nested universes finally stopped and gave all of his energy back and this is like a wildly like explosively magical place now and every time oh i love that yeah yeah and every time the party the the party can like learn this right because they you know they they know that That someone was passing through from universe to universe but they don't know how far they went right so every time they ascend to a new plane they're like is this the last one is this the real universe are they following the trail of that of that warlock so yeah when it finally oh my god the images in my mind of this are so cool like when he finally dies and he's like i've done enough and he like releases his energy it would just yeah it would be like the most the biggest explosion of life like that would be his final creation he must he must tell someone too you know it's like the, he leaves behind two stone tablets yes exactly <laughs> <laughs> he passes his final story was transcribed by a franciscan friar uh, uh, yeah i think um he told his tale to a hedgehog he would, who could not speak english so no one ever heard it <laughs> he would have to definitely tell it to someone that's a for turtle. sure a turtle someone whatever <laughs> uh the turtle that balances the world on its back or the exactly. universe on its back. um it, he would have to tell it to someone and then that would be like a motivating point for a party of adventurers that they would go on and they'd say we need to find the original universe because now we're we're cursed with the knowledge that nothing we're experiencing here is real it's just a fabrication by this guy we need to go and find the starting point because that's where things actually matter well that brings into the whole kind of philosophical question that uh the matrix explores which yeah. is like what is reality exactly does it matter that we're actually plugged into a machine if we can in if that still moment feel still feel and, and yeah. sense things like maybe that's real absolutely do, yeah. do, 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 i like do, this do. i like this this never-ending like recursive creation and yeah that that's fun so you're I saying think. if your party so they start where the where your warlock explodes 
Yeah. That's where they started, the end yeah. of his journey, and they yes. trace it back. So that means eventually, if they kept going, they would eventually find my god, maybe? Yeah, exactly. They'd be like the astronaut who who passes through and finds They'd this creator. Like, I came here for this. Yeah, right? <laughs> By the way, um, what you said about him, your guy, you know, being like, I've experienced everything, the only thing left is to return to my nothing, uh, inspires um, one of our favorite quotes, which we talk about all the time, mm-hmm. which is also from Peter Pan, in which he says, to die, to die would be an awfully big adventure exactly (laughs) that is a great quote i love that way to go peter love you um should we throw in some modifiers let's throw in some modifiers here so i took the first prompt i'll give you the first modifier i think that's only fair awesome we have some cool modifiers this week that are unique to this topic yeah Um, we kind of realized obviously the modifiers that we have wouldn't really work because they're more geared towards uh I don't know, less cosmically scaled <laughs> ideas. Exactly. Or we like can't exactly give the god of romance. <laughs> yeah, so we will uh, explain these myths as they come along. But we kind of tried to tie... We, we tried to tap into uh, sort of phenomena and like tropes and, and things that frequently happen in creation myths and conflicts that can arise. So um, we have some pretty fun ones, I think, in here. I'm spinning the wheel now. And Piper, you are going to get. Ooh, the tension see, the is suspense. building. <laughs> bum, 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 bum. You've got. Well, so this is kind of interesting. You've got Day of Rest. Okay. Uh, which we've already kind of tied into yeah. your your creation, right? So every what we want to do with this is that after you know after seven days of creation or whatever, a day of rest must be taken. Mm-hmm. Maybe on one day. I mean, don't give me my prompts. This is my. My choice well, to create. I suppose that's fair. Yeah, you can't start <laughs> brainstorming for mine. <laughs> that's a really good point. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so uh, shushes. Um, yes. No. Okay. Uh, yes. So this my god who frequently falls asleep and then wakes up forgetful. Um, if I'm going to change this day of rest scenario, I think a good way to do that would be is that I think at some point in this beings eternity of existence Mm -hmm. it would i i don't think it's because it's not aware of its past like sleeps and lives and existences but i think it is it doesn't know that when it falls asleep something changes and i think the god when it's really old and it's working and it finds itself inclined to snooze i think there's a there's one instance in its journey or maybe multiple but for now we'll focus on the one where it says I have to power through. I have to stay awake. I can't go to sleep. I'm not done yet. Oh. I think they... So you forego the day of rest. Yeah. So I think this god, um, this per- particular universe it's been creating, it's been working on it slower. And maybe it doesn't have the inspiration it once did. And so it's been really struggling to like make this universe exactly right the way it wants it to. So when it starts to get tired, it says, I can't go to sleep now. There's so much left that I want to work on here. And so it powers through and it goes on another millennium when it should have taken a sleep and so i think because it does that this universe that it creates during this time is kind of all messed up because it's now working through sort of like a fog's like sleep deprived state i like that this is how like a fey realm or something would be created a realm where things work differently it's a little weird it's not following the same rules yes that we're normally before yeah exactly where i've where we've said that 
most of my the planes that my god creates are similar to the ones that we as humans know on Earth. But that would definitely be the realm where if you were hopping through realms, suddenly you'd be in Wonderland. Yeah. And you'd be absolutely. like, what happened here? Like this this is the a realm that is topsy turvy. Like yeah. and some of it seems normal, but some of it is like super off. I like that. And finally the god, after making all of this wildness, it was like, Well, that's good enough. And then it took its its day of rest. I like yeah, that it's just once in a while it's skips its day of rest and it makes something really weird <laughs> yes but then because okay idea 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 okay. because it skipped it waited so long it like went an extra millennium of working on this thing it then when it went to sleep it slept for a very long time and st- okay and so it stopped creating for exactly yeah. so that would be if our journey if our adventurers are, are hopping through these universes they would come to a point after that wacky place where there would be this this horrifying void and it'd be this creepy nothingness and they they would say to themselves do we just keep going is there something beyond it would be that end of the universe but kind there of a would thing. be just a giant sleeping god there exactly like, what is this huge being we don't know right what, there would and, be and they this... won't they're not responding are they dead are they yes yeah. this huge horrifying gap where the god itself is just resting for a very long time and they need to maybe maybe their quest is wake it up you have to keep <laughs> creating you have to make something yeah. new so okay that brings up an interesting question right is is the creation the, the constant creation of something somehow providing energy to the rest of these planes is is that, that makes sense is yes. that like a yeah that's like a a link that ties all these places together and if the creation ever stops then everything starts kind of crumbling and falling apart that ripples through all of the things that have already been created well i think it would be similar to like our universe where currently we're in a state of ever expansion but Mm -hmm. eventually we're going to reach our max and then Mm -hmm. we'll like ever like um uh implode we're going to start like yeah. coming into each other again maybe theoretically theoretically big, big crunch who knows exactly yeah. yeah exactly so i think when the god finally lays down to have this big sleep that's when the universe starts retracting upon itself yeah. and it's not until it finally wakes up again and is reborn this time well, after the long sleep that it can then there's essentially another big bang maybe I, and well and maybe that's like what, what we kind of talked about earlier that there is a convergence of all of these planes eventually if they're all linked together sort of by like kind of a gravitational pull that, that would, yeah. with the god at the center of it all when, when it, he is sleeping they're going moving closer that's together when they and come when he's together. awake yeah. they're pulling apart interesting yeah yeah that would be okay that puts a nice kind of like time limit on this sort of like universe heist yeah sort of scenario if we're talking about a party jumping through planes it's like only when the god is sleeping and the universes come together can we make these jumps but we only have certain amount of time if he sleeps too long we will all implode and there will be nothing left i i love that it's the infinite universes that he's created all suffer this fate that it's not just for the one it's that everything yeah, that's really really cool. Sweet. This is way cooler than the the idea that I kind of had for it was maybe on one day this god takes his day of rest and then wakes up and or has her day a, of rest or or yes or her day or of rest or its day of rest. Day of rest. It could be a hedgehog. Uh, the, it could be the intergalactic hedgehog. I like that. <laughs> um, they take their day of rest and they wake up and they haven't forgotten everything and suddenly they remember all of the worlds that they've created and abandoned and they feel tremendous 
like cosmic level guilt for that would be all so these. sad yeah that would be really sad so like if we go with your plan instead because i <laughs> i like the expansion and contraction aspect of this i think that's really really neat cool um awesome what I, is your prompt Sam? I, so i actually got i got the first prompt that i got was sudden death which we talked about is if the god suddenly dies and mm-hmm. you are now in a universe that has no the, the the creator of whatever thing this mythology about suddenly is suddenly creator of whatever this mythology is about suddenly dies mm-hmm. um and we already have kind of factored that into the story so i went ahead and skipped that prompt nice um and the second one that i got here was forbidden fruit okay cool so we have to include now a story of you know some temptation. type of for- yeah temptation like yes. something that is forbidden to our people that they maybe reach out and grasp anyway and it Causes all hell to break loose, basically. Right. Um, I sort of like the idea of this forbidden fruit being the knowledge of other realms. So maybe, maybe this warlock, when they died, they didn't impart the knowledge of you know their history of jumping into deeper and deeper and deeper into new uh, created realms. They wrote it on like a tablet and they put this tablet up on top of a mountain and they, uh, the mountain was a volcano and they caused the volcano to erupt and it buried this tablet under, you know, lava and, and all these, it's like impossible to reach and the, the mountain is sur- surrounded by monsters and it's just weirdly, it's, it's a, it's a place that calls to adventures because it's unlike any other place on, on this this planet essentially or in in this realm like something must be there why would it be so you know protected by natural forces and by monsters there's there's some source of power there that people can sense and people are constantly trying to go there and find this source of power at the center of this mountain and they are constantly being rebuffed by sort of the latent magical energy that that has attached itself to this you know this tablet of secrets basically and on this tablet of secrets is basically just the knowledge that they are in a nested realm and if they eventually find that maybe they'll uh, you know they'll they'll learn this knowledge but they'll go mad from from learning it or something they they can't handle this knowledge it'll just break their tiny little mortal brains it's like the ark of the covenant exactly yes and so you know there's probably warning signs that are put in place that are you know saying you really like you shouldn't have this like i don't really know why i put this on a tablet i just did did the warlock post someone outside the they probably the volcano to like try and Turn Maybe people away in the way that the warlock continually built bodies for themselves. They built, you know, like an army of of clay monsters or golems or something like that that patrol this mountain and, and you know, with a a strange synchronicity, all try to push adventures away. And it's that synchronicity of their action that inspires adventurers to go because they're like they they're all working together to hide something clearly there must be something there so here's what are you thinking here's my idea to kind of make um to add on to that so i think because just your warlock inscribing all of these things like how i did it on the on the tablet and placing it there um i don't think that would be quite enough to draw people i think your your warlock at that point because they were so close to the end of their life maybe they've been wounded somehow and their blood is on the stone and that like that there has to be like a biological tie to this that is i think that's the magic source that draws people yeah and so i think when 
Like, maybe it, it came into conflict with somebody and someone heard it somehow. Um, and so, like, it had the its its blood on the tablet. And as it was, like, walking, like, through this mountain, its blood was dripping from it. And each drop of blood, when it touched the earth, made these golems. Because we t- said before that your god was, or your warlock was somebody who didn't want to intentionally create life. So the idea that these golems would be made unintentionally, but they were made... Finally, life is created. But they're from yeah, him, so yeah. they have his best intentions at heart so they when they rise up from the blood that spilled in the earth they say like we will guard this place you know what here so i'm gonna i'm gonna take some things from that and i'm gonna take some things from my idea because i think i have a way to make this cooler right rather than rather than these tablets be containing the knowledge of you know the other realms that this realm is nested in I, i think that's something that fine like you can learn that this is something that maybe this warlock has told people that you know, he, he feels maybe it's just fair that they know that. There's no reason to hide that. What this tablet probably is, is like his research notes. And it contains the knowledge that allows someone to continue this chain and create new realms like within this one. And his notes are maybe, you know, they're, they're created from magic and cannot be destroyed through means that he now has he's become so weakened that he no longer has the ability to, to destroy his own th- this knowledge that he's kind of gathered yeah so there's just this book that will if read by a supremely powerful being will continue this cycle and just uh, send someone else into basically this eternal madness of diving deeper and deeper and deeper into new newly created realms and i think this warlock wants to end that cycle they think that it's it's wrong to put someone else on this journey that he was on. That hence the guards and yes, the bearing exactly. of, the, of the book. So Why write the book at all then? Because that was like his notes. He he wrote this book before he real before he became so wise and realized that this is knowledge that shouldn't be possessed by a mortal. Like it's it's a it's a futile search. You described for, a volcano yeah. before. Perhaps your warlock attempted to throw his notes into said volcano, yeah. but they did not burn. But it couldn't be destroyed. Yeah, he said, exactly. this is the most powerful thing that I created here in the natural world. This is my only chance at destroying this thing. And he threw it down there and it didn't burn up and get destroyed. But it calcified into the, stone. The act of getting there weakened him so much that he died at the top of this volcano and couldn't go down and destroy it himself. He was trying oh. to hide this information and couldn't do it effectively. Are we changing then that his death is not anymore his releasing his energy and creating a plethora no, I, of life. No, I think that should still happen. I think that should definitely still happen. So when he dies, he's like trying to hide this information. He dies trying to hide it. Okay. And then it explodes out this magical energy everywhere. And then people start going, hey man, things are like weird here. Like what's going on? One thing I think is really interesting about your plotline and my plotline, since they are tethered, is the idea that we've got one dotted line of my forgetful god making universes and then your dotted line branching off yeah, from that. Yeah, it's just a tangent that exactly. shoots off. Yeah. yeah, it's like okay. I feel eventually this would become a great web <laughs> of different creation things yeah. spreading. Yeah, yeah it, it, I think a kind of like the way that in every universe that my warlock creates the same sort of pattern kind of emerges. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to think that in the infinity that your god creates that same potential for repetition is kind of there um so i i think we've both made pretty complicated stories here let's give just a really brief summary elevator pitch style story of you know the creation of these cosmos um i can kind of start here if you want because i think i have sort of a basic outline that can explain this more easily so there's a powerful warlock that 
is terrified of death. They fear just the infinite blackness of nothingness of the other side because they can't see into the other side because that's just not an ability they possess. So in their search for immortality, they come upon the knowledge of how to create a new dimension within which they can live. So they create this dimension and they dive into it and they create a new body for themselves. And in that dimension, they continue their search for immortality and they continue to do this for, you know, generations and generations and generations of, of new dimensions until finally they reach a point where they're no longer able to keep creating new dimensions. Their magical energy has waned. They take this book of all this knowledge that they've acquired and they say, no one else should go on this horrible journey that I have. They cast it into a volcano and then they die releasing all of their remaining magical energy, which breathes magic into the world. And then suddenly maybe that's when other people in these, in this world start gaining magical powers other Very wizards cool. and warlocks come up and that's sort of the source of, of magical energy I and like I, I like that as being sort of a creation myth about magic as yeah. well as the creation myth about that's very the, cool the universe i like that a lot cool. my summary would be that my deity is energy incarnate who came into being in this void of nothingness as one of these first presence within existence itself and it with all of its power started doing something with it and it took the elements around it and it started forging universes and worlds and every time it did so it would go through the span of its own sort of life it would start as this child and eventually become an old individual who then weary from creating a universe would decide that they need to take a rest and they would take a little nap and when they awake they are reborn anew and they are now a child again who has completely forgotten about all they've created before and they once again set to their task and they are forever on this journey of creating universes and making life because that is what they are called and inspired to do and is what yeah. they know how to do it's the only thing they remember about themselves when they wake is that they have these hands for creation, and that's what they want to do, is they want to bring life into the universe. And so it's an eternal journey of this person, this individual, this god, who forgets every world it makes prior to the current life it lives, but yeah. continues to make more. I think this is interesting because it sort of mirrors this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that every episode that we just keep creating. Basically just, oh my yeah. god! Happy 2019, <laughs> we everybody! Created the creation myth of the World Forge podcast. <laughs> there you go. That we are the we are the. But we touch gods. on past characters. <laughs> we do sometimes. You're right. Exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I like that idea that this god is just the pure incarnation of creation, energy, I creation. That's yeah. really really cool. I really like mm. that. And the expansion and retraction component is also important as well. But Exactly. Yeah, cool. Cool, yeah. cool, cool. I think in the moment when the god is creating the universe that it's currently working on, it is such a loving, empathetic god yeah. who's so invested in all of the creatures and people and things that exist there in the plane that it's working on. But then once it falls asleep and unintentionally abandons them... It then leaves them to, 
as they keep evolving on their own to then say, where is this loving God who created yeah. us? Surely they will return someday. They'll come back to us. Yeah. And it's just kind of like here and now where people, some people pray to someone who's not listening and some people say there's nobody there at all. Like we were just, we came out of nothing and Absolutely. that's how we've always been. Absolutely. And it's up to everybody to interpret it differently. Yeah. Yeah. So the, I, I also like the idea of, I, I think... I think it would be really cool to kind of give names or titles to these gods that are based on these interpretations, right? So maybe when people, maybe the 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 waking and resting states are just what what people think is happening, right? Maybe it is just that it creates, and then sometimes it doesn't create. So maybe they say when it when they sleep, they're not creating, and so they would call it the restful god or something like that, or the the the. I don't know, some, something kind of based on that story, that idea. Maybe, if a, people were somehow idea. tapped into the truth of creation. Well, but that's what I'm saying, is that maybe that isn't even the truth. Maybe that's just the interpretations. Like we talked about, there's the reality of it, and there's the interpretation of the people. That's like, the truth. I, that's I think, how my God works. <laughs> well, yes, okay, thank you. But I'm just saying, like, humor me, hypothetically, okay. that could be the case. Like, no, you're infinite, right, you're totally right. In an infinite number of situations, yes. eventually one civilization would, you know, just guess the real truth of it anyway. Right, so. yes. There you go. Um, um, one, one last detail that I just thought of now that I think is interesting, too. Uh, this idea that when it's creating its current place, um, it's like super infatuated and in love with, with mm -hmm. all that it makes. We talked about this astronaut who comes through the black hole and finds the god and says, we love you. Do you love us? And it says, I don't remember you. Yeah. But like that's a, a scenario for someone who comes from one of its previous creations. If somebody who it's currently yeah, working on, it's currently working on, was yeah, there, yeah, it came through and found them, it's like, hello, it's me. They would of course know that person. They'd be like, oh my god, hi, I love you so much. Now imagine if that both happened at the same time. That'd be oh, that that'd be, be so awkward. Crazy, It'd be yeah. like it's like I don't know you. I know this person right here, this yeah. little pony who managed to build a pony spaceship and fly out to me. I know this pony, and I love his carrots and his great mane and his fancy little hooves. Yeah. He's my thing. That's my You're boy. like a weird ape thing. I don't know what you are. Yeah, he's like I'm all about horses now. <laughs> like, I like that. That's my thing. <laughs> I like that. Uh, I I think something else that I kind of thought of about my God here, an interesting idea to me is the that they would call him the absentee god or something because in every universe they say well our they they have no idea that their god created their universe so that they could inhabit the universe and they're always praying to their god and their god isn't answering and they say why has our god forsaken us because they have no idea their god is literally walking among them yeah at all times i like that too uh well that's yeah. sort of um uh, another movie recommendation, uh, kind of pretentious, but really fun. If you're a college freshman, it's great for you. It's called Dogma. Um, it's a, a, a very fun movie that explores a lot of these tropes. Um, yeah. But in that, uh, in the beginning of the movie, God uh, takes a human form so he can go play skee ball because it's something he really likes. <laughs> but while he's in this human form, these demons are able to knock him unconscious and imprison him in that body. Yeah. So therefore, God is currently trapped on Earth, but he's in a coma and he can't do anything to help anybody. It's like the most Kevin Smith thing ever i like <laughs> that movie yeah no it's, it's a great movie dumb, but it's fun <laughs> i like it a lot uh but i think we have kind of reached the i, I think we've sort of run these ideas into a really really good place where we can yes. safely leave them uh, in the hands of our listeners mm -hmm. uh we hope that you've 
enjoyed these creations because yes. now we're moving on to talk about a different thing. Yeah, if you would like to pray here. to these gods, have at it. <laughs> yeah, please let send us, us know if there's uh, anything. Send us pictures of the shrines that you build to them um, yeah. and the prayers that you write in your <laughs> in your emails. Oh, we would love it if you sent us like prayers to these gods. Like, yeah, what would you cool. What would you ask these gods for mm-hmm. if you had to, you know, if you had a prayer for them? You send this. Uh, send this to us at uh, our Twitter at WorldForgePod or on Gmail at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear them. It's like, dear forgetful God, what the hell? <laughs> That's That would be a pretty apt prayer, I think. Exactly. It's like, you never call, you never write. It's like, you're not even there. I mean, what's going on? <laughs> no, absolutely. We, we would... Oh, man, please, like, just to stroke our ego, send us your prayers so that we can feel like gods that, exactly. you, are, that you are praying to and sending us your ideas. I'm just thinking of from the Grinch movie. It's like, where are you, Christmas? <laughs> yeah, if you want to write us a cute pop song, uh, a Christmas pop song about these gods, that would also be fine. Yeah. Um, but uh, speaking of writing songs, actually. Oh, yeah. I think... That takes us on into the rec room here, where we are recommending uh, a new friend of the podcast, uh, a listener of the show, and uh, someone who actually recently reached out to us with um, uh, some really, really cool music that they write for uh, podcasts and tabletop games and video games and things like that, offering to provide some more music for the podcast. And we took a listen to some of the stuff they had produced, and we really, really enjoyed it. Um, and we'll definitely be trying to find ways to use that in some of our upcoming projects. And uh, that, uh, to put a name <laughs> to this recommendation, that is uh, Will Savino. That's at music underscore D20 on Twitter. Uh, they can also be found at willsavino.net or on uh, SoundCloud at will-savino. Um, they make really, really cool music just for use in those things that I just listed here. Uh, if you are trying to score your uh, Dungeons & Dragons game, if you were looking for some epic background music to play while you are explaining the creation myth of your universe to your players at Session Zero or something like that, go and check out Will's work. Uh, he's done some really, really cool stuff that um, we really like. It's a lot. He's got a lot of different um, sort of vibes. There's some really fun, fast, upbeat stuff. There's cool kind of spooky crawling around in the caverns kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of things you could really make a lot of use of. So if that's something that would be helpful for you, then you could do a lot worse than following uh, Will on Twitter or checking out his website or reaching out to him for commissions based on, um, you know, any of the stories that you're trying to tell. Uh, So, yeah, that is our recommendation this week. And we also uh, have a thank tank. Yeah, we're going to jump into the thank tank here. I got my swimsuit on, Piper. Uh, Who are we going to be talking about in the thank tank this week? We are thanking um, our good pal Chaotic Nerdful, yes. um, who is at Chaotic Nerdful on Twitter, because um, they <laughs> just recently um, created uh, a bunch of stats and stuff for the creation that they made based on our, our robot episode. Yeah. So if you want to see what a robot cat is capable of, <laughs> uh, go look them up on Twitter. Yeah. And we retweeted them on Twitter as well. They, they had a really, really... They've really been very supportive of that episode of ours specifically a few weeks ago they made a funny little kind of radio psa about a robot that they had created inspired by one of ours and now they've created a stat block for it which is just so exciting and fun we really please don't stop doing that continue to to riff on our ideas and and create new exciting things because that's so exciting for us to see it makes us very very happy agreed it's so great um we are so amazed by all the support 
and yeah. interest uh, that we've gotten from everybody on yeah. on Twitter and on the reviews that people have written mm-hmm. and everything. And, and our this, listeners that are suggesting topics for us. It's great. Uh, Robert McDaniel, thank exactly. you again so much. So as we go into 2020, we hope that you continue to give us uh, your, your suggestions and everything. Yeah. If you, I mean, 2020 will depend on you guys of what you want us to create. So yes. if you have prompts, send them our way. Absolutely. Yeah. There are, again, there are a lot of fun things of our own devising that are going to be happening in 2020, but we are definitely still listening to all of your feedback and are really, really excited about some of the ideas that you guys have given us that, you know, have inspired us to create bigger and better as we hope that we inspire you to do. So continue to send those our way uh, at our Twitter at WorldForgePod or at Gmail at WorldForgePod at gmail.com. We love hearing from you guys, no matter what it is that you want to say to us. Uh, If you want to find other ways of supporting the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Google Play or anywhere that you get your favorite podcasts uh that is just so tremendously helpful to us and it costs you nothing exactly or share it out to your friends and family yes uh direct shares uh reviews all of that is so appreciated so um we will uh go ahead and leave you with that i I, that is our last thought just go do that right now please uh you're done listening to this podcast so what else are you gonna do right we'll see you next year (laughs) yes next year uh happy 2020 you guys bye happy 2020